Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that as we sing these words, they would be a challenge to our hearts and souls, and that we would remember we're singing them to you. We pray that you would help us to truly have nothing between our soul and the Savior. To walk in your ways, we ask you to give us strength and wisdom that we may see that which needs to be dropped by the wayside, the weights which do so easily beset us. And Lord, let us run with patience. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Alright, take your Bibles if you would, and let's just go to the book of Jude. If you need an outline, uh, wave your hand there, Brother Mike has them. And uh, let's take a moment and just read through the entire book, 20, I believe, 3, uh, no, 25 verses. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you into remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Cori. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands 
of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. And tonight I want to do something a little different with the book of Jude. Uh, in the past, we've gone through it verse by verse and phrase by phrase. And uh, tonight, I just want to summarize the book in, in essence here. But the question I'd like you to think about is how to live in ungodly times. How many of you picked up the repetitive use of the word ungodly in this book? I mean, it was just all over the book and Usually when people turn to Jude, they have two questions. Who are the angels that kept not their first estate? And why was the, uh, Michael, the archangel, and the devil arguing about the body of Moses? It must be because he's one of the witnesses in the book of Revelation. And Jesus, uh, I mean, God needed the body, so he was sent Michael down to fight with the devil over it. I mean, these are the things that you read. In commentaries, and I promise you tonight, that's all that's going to be said about those things. Uh, we have no time to worry about things that are not going to make a difference in how you live. And how many times have I myself and, and others, I, I've heard many sermons preached on earnestly contending with the faith. Now, I want to ask you a question. That, that is the charge of the book, is we are to earnestly contend for the faith. But who did Jude say we were supposed to fight? Wow, got quiet quick. You know, we, we think of all these things, and sometimes... Uh, we, we do great injustice to the Word of God. We want to make like some medieval knight, swinging our sword, slashing and hacking and condemning all of those people. And 
I want to challenge you as we go through that this contending for the faith is not fighting the ungodly people. Who takes care of them in the book of Job? I mean Jude, I'm sorry. Uh, God does, doesn't he? I mean, read example after example. God takes care of the people that he brought out of Egypt. Who did the destroying? The Lord did. Who took care of those angels? Uh, the Lord did. So don't worry about who they were. Uh, they were angels. And they're going to be judged. God judges. And, and in my outline, I, I put this in there with fear and trepidation. We'll, we'll talk about the, the, those that came out of Egypt. I called them the half-saved. You see, they were saved from bondage in Egypt, but they weren't saved in their souls. There's a lot of half-saved people out there. Uh, they find the good things that are in the Word of God. They find relief from sin and suffering and, and peace of mind, but they never go the whole way to full salvation. It's a terrifying thought. But God is the one that takes care of that. He knows who are not the believers and who are the believers. And then there's just a few verses at the end of the book that tells us things that we're supposed to do. And, and I want to challenge you tonight as we look at this book. I, I, we're just going to start like we're going through. We're going to skip over some things and group some things together for the... For the sake of moving tonight, but he introduces himself first as the servant of Jesus Christ. Now, that word servant um, is, uh, does not really have a modern English equivalent. Uh, the word servant denotes ownership. When you were a servant in biblical times, it meant that you were the property of another human being or another entity. You're, he, he says, I am the servant of Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus owns me. Now, we in America believe in the right of self-determination. Uh, uh, historically, uh, this is the only nation in the history of mankind that has been built on the fact that a person can wake up in the morning and decide what they're going to do with their life. In many countries, you're born into your heritage. Uh, somebody was asking a question about English Parliament the other day and said, how do you get into the House of Lords? You've got to be born into it. Uh, you, you've got to inherit the title. Otherwise, there, there are only so many of them. And if you don't have the right last name, if you don't have the right parents and can't prove it, you don't get a seat. That's just the way it is. But we believe in doing our own thing. Isn't that true? I, I'm not trying to uh, be uh, talk about all the evil things. I'm just talking about the way we are conditioned and who we are. I mean, we are the most eclectic society in the history of mankind. Meaning that we pick and choose what we want. They have rock operas today. Now, does that make sense to anybody? 
you know, operas where they're, oh, you know, and I'm not always against it, but the reason they call them soap operas is because they have the same dirty stories, only the soap companies paid for them. But uh, most operas are really not nice things. Uh, and then you have all this classical highfalutin snooty music, and then they'll get... Uh, I don't know the names of any of these people, but Bruce Springsteen, I guess, to play the accompaniment. Now, to me, that sounds just a little schizophrenic. It's like hot dogs and caviar. I mean, but people do those things. Why? It's all because we do not believe in ownership. It's part of our society. It's part of our thought process. But Jude, when he starts this out, he says, I'm the servant. I have no self-determination. I do not make decisions for myself. You know, a servant did not analyze the politics of his or her day. They were told what to believe. Because they were a servant. Guess what? You agreed with the owner. Whether you wanted to or not. Now let me ask you a question as we start this. How many of you have disagreed with the Lord Jesus Christ on a point or two? Uh, who was wrong? Well, of course, we are. We understand this, right? But James is writing this book from the point of service, of ownership by the Lord Jesus Christ, of determination by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know all scriptures given by inspiration of God that the Holy Spirit superintended these words. And so we have Jude, number one, who is denying himself and explaining to us that these are not his words, that these, this is the message of Jesus Christ. And then he puts another phrase in there, the brother of James. Now, James was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. References are in... Uh, your, your outline there. He was the half-brother. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the uh, son of Mary and Joseph. Jude was another son of Mary and Joseph. And so as Jude is identifying, he doesn't identify him first as Hey, I, I'm, I'm of the same family. No, I'm a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. And just so you know, I'm the brother of James. I'm in that family from which, humanly speaking, our Lord Jesus Christ came from. And he is writing to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. 
Now, those are three incredible words, and we could spend the whole night just on them. Sanctified means made holy. Separated unto a specific and peculiar purpose. Um, the, the preserved means you're not going to spoil. Amen? I met a preacher one time and he said, my Bible's not pickled. And by that, he meant he did not believe in the preserved Word of God. And he was absolutely correct because he didn't carry a King James Bible. So he did have a rotten one. I mean, it was spoiled. There's some things in there that don't belong and some things that should be in there that somebody took out. I don't want a spoiled Bible. I don't want a half salvation, by the way. How about you? How many people... What did Jesus say? Sermon on the Mount. There will be many that shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, done many wonderful works? And he said, And I shall say unto them, Depart ye from me, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus has never lost a soul. That's why Jude is saying, listen, sanctified, preserved. Now, what's that last one? Called. Now, we talk about preachers receiving a call. And we believe in that. We believe that our missionaries, when they go to the field, they ought to be able to give more evidence of a call of the Lord than that they dreamed about a place and saw it on the side of a truck as they were driving down the street and some of the other ridiculous stories that we've heard over the years that calling ought to be evidenced in a life. When Brother Newberger was ordained, we called preachers in who could give testimony that he's been working in this thing. When I was ordained, Brother Thompson, Brother Lucas, and I were ordained in the same service. And Brother Thompson said, now listen, you know these guys. They've been in the ministry. They're serving faithfully. Let's not play games today. Let's get it done. Besides, they've got a big wedding this afternoon. Uh, that's what the preacher actually said. And uh, it was the only day Brother Clayton and Brother Marshall and those guys, but they examined us. But they didn't examine us. They didn't give us that privilege until they already knew something was going on. You know what? God has called every believer to service. It's not... Uh, there are special directions, but... There are things that God wants us to be different. And this is to whom Jude is writing. And Jude's concern is, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I heard a preacher preach a wonderful sermon about how people make salvation common. But that's not what this passage is talking about when it talks about 
the common salvation. It's talking about the thread that links us together, the chain that binds our souls to Jesus Christ as one day we will all be one in Christ. It is because God does not save some people this way and other people that way. He saves us all with the same. We have something in common. How many of you have ever experienced this? You've been somewhere you've never been before. You walk into a church. And all of a sudden you know this is the right kind of church. Just, it's not because it feels that way. It's uh, one of the first things I want to do when I walk into a church I don't know anything about. I want to look at the mission board if they have one. I want to see who they're supporting. I want to see the Bibles that are in the pews and whether they have hymn books or not. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I like to watch the people walk in and whether they're dressed for church or they're dressed like they're going to a nightclub. Uh, You can can tell the difference. And I'll tell you what, when you meet someone that has the same salvation and the same desires to serve God, Well, I'll tell you what's a joy, isn't it? I can relax here. I can enjoy this service because I know that these people have the same salvation. I've been in some churches otherwise where it was, boy, I remember going into one church. We were traveling and... And just figured we'd try to stop in for a service and drove off the road and got directions and went up to the church and walked in the door. I didn't even let the kids get out of the van. We just got back in and went on down the road. I mean, it just was not Bible-believing service. Here's what the Bible's to Jude. Jude is writing to those that are sanctified, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. And he wants to talk to them about the common salvation. But he says, it's needful. If I'm going to talk to you about salvation, if you're going to enjoy what we have in common, I'm going to have to write I'm gonna, it was needful for me. It was first needful. I'm sorry. Let's not forget that word in there. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered. He said, oh, wait a minute. No, the word first isn't in there. My mind put it in there. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, why? Verse 4, there are certain men. Now, it's amazing that Jude spends so much time of this little book describing those certain men. And you need to understand something about those men. He's going to, I've just tried to put it all together. It says they crept in unaware. So where are these men? They're in church. They're in the proper assembly. 
How did they get there? They looked so much like the real thing that nobody could tell the difference. They crept in unawares. But guess what? These were ordained. That's the same word. You know, you can be called to serve the Lord. And you can be called to serve the devil. There are things that God is going and knows is going to happen. You know what? There had to be somebody betray the Lord Jesus Christ. There had to be a Judas. There really did. But God knew Judas was willing to do the job. God knows who is going to do these wicked things. And he has prepared them just as he will prepare you and I to do what is right. It says they are ordained to this condemnation. God's judgment is going to be upon them, but they're going to do it anyway. It says that they're ungodly men. Now, here's the first thing they do is they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now, lasciviousness as is an inordinate desire. It is the actual working. When you let lust reign in your body, you become lascivious. It is the working out of lust. And so it says that they're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now, probably the mo- one of the most glaring example is the fellow that went on, uh, I believe it was a television program when I was less than a teenager, something like that. He, I, I just heard him from the other room. He said, yeah, the first time I prayed for that brand new Lincoln, God didn't give it to me. He said, so I yelled a little bit louder so he'd hear me and now I have it. We know them as name it and claim it, deliverance. That if you have God, you have everything good in your life. I challenge you, read the book of Job. Uh, Read 1 and 2 Peter. Sometimes God calls his people to suffer. But there's an awful lot of people out there that preach, if you have God in his blessings, you have everything you want. By the way, let's just throw it in here. That is the premise of the purpose-driven life. Is you have desires and you tell God what those desires are and God will give you the desires of your heart. I I want to challenge you today. That is not Christianity. That is Buddhism. It is getting what you want from God. And we need to add this other group in here. I call them the fire insurance salesmen. Uh, They preach salvation as a method of fire insurance that you won't go to hell. If you you want to... Listen, do you want to go to hell? I've met a few people who said they did. But by and large, most people don't want to go to hell. And I want to challenge you, if the only reason you believe in Jesus is because you don't want to go to hell, you need to check out what kind of salvation you have. That's not 
a biblical approach to God. Now, when we get to the end of the book, he's going to say, of some saved with fear, there's nothing wrong with a great hot sermon on hell. It ought to scare the socks off of you. But I don't go to God because of hell. I go to God because He is God. There's a difference. You see, lasciviousness is offering you something. It's about what you're going to get out of it. There are some people whose only purpose for showing up at church is so other people will talk about them in a positive and uplifting way. This is what is being spoken about here. It's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. The second thing they do, and they always do it, is they deny the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Sung Young Moon turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. People came into his organization and had open marriage. I mean, just everybody's married to everybody kind of thing. That's lasciviousness. It is fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And everybody in the organization gave up all their money so that he could go to jail because it ended up in his bank account for some strange reason. But you know what? He couldn't go and stop. What I mean is he couldn't just stop with the lasciviousness. He had to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. His testimony is that Jesus appeared to him three times begging him to straighten out the things that he was not able to accomplish while he was here on this earth. That is blasphemy in the highest degree. But it's denying the Lord Jesus Christ. You look at the different religions of the world today. The Catholic religion. You can purchase your way through any sin that you would choose to sin. Orthodox Church works the same way. And then what happens? They deny the Lord Jesus because... You don't have to go to him to get forgiveness. You go to the Pope to get forgiveness. They deny it. And you, you can follow this pattern. And even many of the modern uh, things here uh, go through all of this. And uh, we can talk about Jack Hayford, who claimed to be able to do things that Jesus can't do. And all of these guys that are out there, they will all follow the same pattern. They're filthy dreamers. They dream about their own aggrandizement and their own blessings and their own things. They despise authority. And here it says, speak evil in verse 8 of dignities. They defile the flesh, despise dominion or authority, and speak evil of dignities. You want alliteration? You can get it in that one. The, the, the whole thing is, we have so many people who reject the authority of the local church, who believe that serving Christ, they reject the authority of our government, they call themselves super patriots, follow 
the pattern in the book of Jude. They're there. They defile, defile the flesh. They speak evil of dignities. That word dignity means worthiness. High esteem. They speak evil of the things that we esteem most. What do we esteem? What does the Bible esteem most? Holy living. Amen. Personal holiness. And yet, what do they despise the most? Right there. And so we go on through here, and it gives us the examples of God's judgment. And by the way, they think they found Sodom and Gomorrah. It's at the bottom of the Dead Sea. I, I think that's a pretty good testimony to God's eternal judgment. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? And uh, the, uh, we come down here, and by the way, be careful. Moses did not curse the devil. Neither should you, nor his servants. That's not contending for the faith. These people are, uh, it says they've gone the way of Cain. How did Cain do it? Cain refused to be obedient to the Lord, and when his conscience bothered him, he murdered. You know, there has been more murder committed in the name of religion than any other thing I know. Uh, I am... So thankful to tell you, the Baptist church, as a church, has never started a war. Has never accepted endorsement by the government. The Baptist church, as historically known, has stayed out of all these things. Why? Because that's where the false churches are. That's what they're doing. And... It tells us that they ran greedily after the error of Balaam. What's in it for me? And the gainsaying of Korah. When something is absolute. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been cursed for being too dogmatic. Uh, gainsaying of Korah. I'm not being dogmatic because I said so. I, I think that's fairly well on record. Uh, but when God said something, I think I can be rather dogmatic about it. How about you? Uh, we can endorse that thing. We can understand. And it talks about their, their, their like the, uh, we just did Psalm 1, uh, the tree planted by the river of water. I, I'm almost wondering if Jude may, through the Holy Spirit, have had just a little touch of Psalm 1. Uh, the antithesis, the actual opposite of that, when he talks about the tree whose fruit is withered, uh, with, I mean, yeah, the fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, and then he gives the picture of the waves of the sea. How many of you have ever had the privilege of walking by the shore in New York City? What is the first thing that you see? All the trash. Why? Because that is the process of the sea cleansing itself. The things that float are thrown up on the shore, and the things that don't are dragged out into those deep, deep abysses in the middle of the ocean. God made a purification system. And just the same way, these people cannot stop. They're going to spew forth their wickedness and their evil. Just watch for it. 
Uh, one example, most of you are too young to remember the chaplain of Bourbon Street. Does anybody remember him? Uh, his name was Bob Harrington. had a television program back in the 70s and the early 80s, and he would uh, broadcast and, and preach the gospel from a bar room in New Orleans. And he wanted to add a little realities for his show, so he would go out and hire some people who were on the street, uh, uh, ladies, and bring them in so they could sit in front of the camera. And, and that, that's what he did. And then he started uh, hiring them for other things than just showing up. And all the time he tried to be a preacher of the gospel. You know what the Bible says? It says, like the waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Now, let's get down to the good part here. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. That's number one. That's how you live in ungodly time. You know what? I was told when I was a Bible college student that I would mature and grow up to a point where I wouldn't believe my Bible is the Word of God anymore and I'd understand those things. I'd stop being so simple. Well, it's been 27 years, almost 28. Guess what? I love this Bible more today than I could possibly have loved it then. You know, every once in a while, you just need to go back and review how Jesus saved you. Amen? You need to realize the cardinal doctrines of the Word of God. Baptism. Church membership. Giving. Hey, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Faith cometh by hearing and... Hearing by the Word of God. You want to build yourself up on your holy faith? Just start doing what it says. Amen? And don't look for nothing new. Just try to do what it says. Now, what's the next thing? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, boy, that, that is a challenge, is it not? What it says is, you are praying the words that the Holy Ghost of God would pray if you were able to hear Him speak out loud concerning you. Now, I want to challenge you. I, I don't know that I meet that all the time. In fact, I wish I met that more often than I did not meet that standard. Because the Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we ought. It's the Spirit that maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But the, uh, Jude is telling us here, you need to get in tune with the Holy Spirit of God so you can pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, is the Holy Spirit going to reveal anything to you that isn't written down? The answer is no. The Holy Spirit's only going to reveal to you what's written down. Building on your most holy faith Praying for the things that are written in the Word of God. And then this last one says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, boy, that's an easy thing to say. 
hard thing to do. How do I keep myself in the Word of God? Now, the best commentary I can give you for that is right here in the verse. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. How do you look for mercy? Number one, you surrender. Uh, Number two, you live by the terms dictated to you by the victor. Amen? I mean, that's what mercy is, is it not? It is something given to the vanquished by the victor. I am looking for that mercy. It is that re-surrender. Jude the servant, the slave of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we doubt our salvation. Don't raise your hands, but most everybody's had that happen to them at one time or another in their Christian life. If you're looking for mercy unto eternal life, guess what? You're not doubting your salvation. Because it's not you that's keeping it. It's Jesus that is keeping it. Amen? I want to keep myself in the love of God. These are the things that we're supposed... You want to know how to live? Hey, how ungodly a day was it when these people were running around... And in charge of things, uh, we didn't even take time tonight to touch on those that have people in uh, admiration because of their abilities and things. I mean, uh, uh, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. You know what? There, There are just some people that have a presence. They walk into a room and everybody is right there. I remember working for the Board of Elections and these uh, two older ladies. They were actually twins. They were in their 70s. And they said, we got to meet Bill Clinton. And they were giggling like little schoolgirls. Why were they doing it? Because he's one of those guys. You say, I don't think much of him. Well, you don't think much of him because of the Word of God. And you don't think much of him because he's not in the room exercising his advantage. I'll tell you what, if he were, we'd be hard-pressed without using this book not to be brought under sway. There are people that control other men's minds. They're out there. How do you protect yourself in the ungodly? Well, number one, you got to be building on your holy faith. It's not enough for you to say, I believe the Word of God. I believe it enough to read it. Amen? It's not enough to say, I believe in the local church and I believe in an eternal salvation. You've got to remind yourself and practically live out those doctrines each day. You've got to pray in such a way that you're asking God to get you in tune with the Holy Spirit and pray for those things that the Holy Spirit would pray if you could hear His voice being spoken. Amen? And you're going to keep yourself in the love of God. Now, what's the last thing? You're going to be in the business of souls. It says, And if some have compassion, 
making a difference. Now, is that some you're having compassion on? The ungodly running after the gainsaying of, of, uh, of Korah? No. They're already doing, they're ordained to do what they're going to do. And there are people that are going to choose to follow them. But there'll be some people that you meet as you walk through this life that just a little compassion will make a difference. But then it says, and others save with fear. You know what? There's nothing wrong with explaining to people that the God of this book is a consuming fire. And that he did make a place called hell. We, need, we have no fear of God today. And we need it. We, it's a desperately needed ingredient to our understanding of God. But of some, it says, uh, have compassion, making a difference. If your compassion isn't making a difference... Stop having compassion. That's what it says. And, uh, and, and it says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. You see, you don't have to join the ranks of the half-saved. Amen? You don't have to be a part of those that just puttered out in the middle. It says, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Both now and ever, I'm sorry. Here's how we live. You've got to build on your holy faith. better be yours, not somebody else's. You've got to pray in the Holy Spirit. It is a command to keep yourself in the love of God. That's a command. How do we do that? Looking for His mercy. Amen. I surrender because I have failed. I ask His grace and I live under His direction. I have compassion and others. You just must preach the message of God without fear. That they may be in fear and turn from their wicked ways. But it better all be about Jesus and absolutely none about you. You know, we, we get things about ourselves. We, we see things. We, we understand things. No. It was Jude the servant. The understanding Jude had came from God. The prayer Jude had was in the Holy Spirit. His faith was being built upon in the Word of God. And he was looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book and we ask that your word would do its work in our hearts and lives.
that, Lord, we'd be able to be that servant that you would have us to be. Lord, that we would build up ourselves in that faith, in the most holy faith. We would pray in the Holy Spirit and we'd keep ourselves in the love of God. Lord, that we would have compassion upon those whom we need to have compassion and the wisdom to know when to use your power and your holiness to instill fear in those who would listen. Lord, let us not run after those who are ordained to condemnation. But Lord, let us Invest our time in the lives of those who are ordained unto life. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll just have the invitation.